streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. This is uh, the 17th of, uh, of March, 2020. 17th of March. We're about to end the month of March. And, of course, the spring kicks in next week. And there comes April. And, of course, the weather will warm up in Georgia. There's a, a great possibility of that. Without any doubt, it'll warm up. It's going to get warm. And the children are going to get out of the houses and begin to play outside. And, uh, and it will be a great relief to parents to have, have the children cooked in for so many months, you know, watching TV and playing. And uh, so I know that John, John is looking forward to that, to see. Uh, and Tara looking forward to see them out of the house. And so, uh, and we continue. Uh, by the way, we're holding a little bit the trip to, to Cuba. Uh, we're holding a little bit of trip to Cuba, and uh, but we will be back uh, in May. We probably again reschedule in May and head on to Cuba and minister to those churches that are waiting for us to come. And of course, we have the June trip. We have Rekendo, the August trip. Then we head on to, to Peru. And we're looking forward to that wonderful trip that God has given us to minister to the, all the districts in the country of Peru. Every district will get a trip. We're going to spend time in those mountains ministering to those pastors and lifting them up and encouraging them and bringing an offering to bless their ministry. We've been covering John chapter 4. John chapter 3 is Nicodemus in the conversation between Jesus and an intellectual. Chapter 4 is Jesus as the Son of God speaking to a woman of Samaria. And so it's a, it's a different approach and it's a different story. But the purpose of these Bible studies is to show you that in the ministry of Jesus, the prophesying, the speaking forth, the calling into being is a part of it. So you be convinced that to live prophetically and by faith, uh, it's a good thing to do. Uh, meaning, you have to have faith and you have to trust. But also, God will inspire you, will uh, speak to you, will uh, breathe upon you. Uh, the breathing there is kind of dangerous today. But when God breathes, it's very good. Amen? And He breathes upon you this, this, this desire 
to live by faith and speak forward, speaking forward to the things that are before you. And so, uh, and so the power of salvation is really where it's at. Meaning that Jesus did not baptize anyone. The disciples of Jesus, there were six of them in the beginning in prayer, in the beginning of the ministry, they baptized people. And the ministry of Jesus had more disciples than John. Because John disappears, and, and, and the way comes in, of course, uh, the ministry of, of, of Jesus. And so, Jesus begins his journey then by being led of the Spirit to go to Samaria. And in Samaria, there is a place called Tel Balata. It's in Shechem. If you go to the Lake of Galilee there, and you turn right, and Beth Hashem is next, uh, uh, I believe in that, that area where you're going to see uh, Shechem. In Genesis chapter 33, verse 19, Jacob bought a parcel of land. Genesis 33:17, And Jacob sojourned to Sukkoth and built him a house. That's the first time I ever heard that a house was built by a patriarch and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth. Jacob went to Sukkoth, but the will of God was for him to go to Bethel. It wasn't Sukkoth. And Jacob called, came to Shalom, the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padamaram and pitched his tent before the city. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hands of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. He erected an altar and called Eli Elioni Israel, meaning that in that area he had to have water. So he actually dug a well. The interesting thing about uh, about this is that uh, Jesus comes uh, uh, from Perea, from Judea, and he is heading toward Shechem, and he's going to rest upon a well. It's called Jacob's well. And the Samaritans uh, 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 today claim through Joseph that they are descendants of Jacob because Joseph is buried in Shechem. And so, Interesting thing about this well that I want to tell you just very briefly uh, about, you know, Jesus meets the woman at the well. Remember that. Number one is that the well, the word well is the Greek, phage. I don't know how to pronounce correctly, but P-A-G-E with a little line on top of it, whatever that means. And a cistern or a dug, a dug on well is is Farir. And so, the first one, meaning the dug well, is a spring of water. So this well is a different well. It was a well, and there's water in it, 15, 20 feet deep. But it also was a spring. It runs consistent even to today. 
So Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. Yesterday I mentioned to you three things that Jesus said to her. And I want to make it, uh, uh, bring it up again so, so we continue with this study. The first one, he said, if you knew the gift of God, because Jesus asked for water. If you knew the gift of God, number two, who is, who it is who says to you, give me a drink. So if you knew the gift of God and who is giving to you, asking you the living water, asking you for water. If you knew the gift of God and he, if you knew who is the one who is talking to you here, uh, asking you a drink. The third thing, it says, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. But you see, the Samaritan woman did not understand Jesus as a Jewish person asking him for water. So, uh, and she was not aware, because you see, the Samaritans worship in Gerizim, a mountain right there overlooking Nablus. To, to this date, there's there's a temple there and ruins of a temple. I don't know if the temple is there or the ruins of a temple. But it is a place where the Samaritans even today worship. It's a smaller... In the time of Jesus, there were 700,000 people in this area. It's a big metropolis. But today, it's, it's very, very small because uh, they, they have intermarried and, 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 and moved away and died. And so the Samaritans remain still outcasts. Now, even though she had no knowledge of Jesus, or referred to, she is a Samaritan, knew of Jacob, and she only used the Pentateuch. The Samaritans only used the five books of the Bible, the Torah. In Moses, the only prophet that they, they obey and listen to the rest of it, they don't pay attention. And so when you begin to look at this exchange, the question comes, did Jesus go to Samaria to meet the woman at the well? But he goes to Samaria in order to look at his ancestry. Because you see, Jesus is a descendant of Judah. Judah is a son of Jacob. And Joseph, the one that uh, had a difficult time in his life becoming the second of Egypt, is buried right there. So I believe that Jesus went that area, led of the Spirit, because he would be mingling. You know, when you go to Israel and you look at the environment, uh, for instance, when you go to Jerusalem and you come on the garden tomb, and you see that garden, and you see uh, uh, on the wall the uh, uh, the place of burial uh, of Jesus. Uh, it's very, very, very overwhelming to a Christian. Uh, very overwhelming when you look uh, to your right from the gazebo at the ministry of the temple uh, of the of the of the. Uh, of the place of burial, and you see down there uh, Galgata, which means a hill, and you see the skull right in front of you on that quarry. 
It's very overwhelming. It's very, uh, how do you say? It does something to you. Makes an impact upon what you're looking at. And you become, uh, become enthralled with it. If you baptize in the Jordan, you just go and you love that. It's, it's very, very, uh, very Christian-like. So Jesus is drawn by the Holy Spirit to move into the area of Shechem. Oh, what a great area. Historical. My, how much happened at Shechem, you know, uh, there's a well there, but there was another well at the time of Shechem where Joseph was put inside there and they killed a, a wild animal and put blood on his coat and gave to Jacob and say, your, your, your son Joseph was destroyed by the wild animals. But in fact, Joseph was being carried by the Malachites into, into Egypt to be sold uh, as a slave. So, let's begin with verse 14 now. Because... Every time you look at this scripture, that's historical that is part of the environment. Not only historical, but prophetic. The prophetic is what God said will be done and is being done. The historical are the events that precede and bring you up to the point. So the prophetic rules, the historical happens. The prophetic, in other words, the prophetic rules the historical, not the historical rules the prophetic. In other words, God is in charge of history. So, let's take a look at verse 14. And that will be, can you help me, John? John chapter 4, verse 14. And we go on here with this. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In other words, the water has ingredients. This living water has an ingredients. First of all, it supplies all your demands, spiritual hunger and thirst. It actually causes you to be Fed. You know, if you ever been to a desert area or a summer day playing baseball back there and you go to the dugout and you get a nice frozen warm Coca-Cola and you drink that, life comes into your body and those bubbles just make you just sing the national anthem. and You go back down there uh, to strike again. Amen. I remember, I remember that in my early early days. You know, I always, I, I couldn't hit that ball for nothing until I just found out that I was good for soccer, but not for baseball. Now, on baseball, the ball in, in soccer, the ball is much bigger, and that, and that made it easier. So, so the water that Jesus is giving causes you to never thirst again. Imagine. And whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. Whenever, but the water that I shall give him, the second ingredient, will spring a well of water springing up into eternal life. Meaning, the kingdom of God, the word of God, the power of Jesus Christ in you becomes an overwhelming power that, that, that purposes you forward into the heavens, eternity. It just changes the way you think. 
It just bothers the way uh, you live. And brings you into normalcy, into balance, into reason, and most of all, into peace. Mary Lucy, last night, is asleep. And she moves, moves in bed. And so I got up and I went there because I heard uh, 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 the camera makes a sound when she moves. And so the bell rung and I went downstairs. And, and, and she got up and sat in bed and said to me, I don't know what it is, but I don't have, I don't have peace in my spirit. I don't have peace in my spirit. So we prayed together. And she slept until 9 o'clock. She probably woke up just now. So what was that? You see, you can't have peace if you call for peace. Because the well of water that Jesus gives, springing up into eternal life, gives peace. You know, Paul in uh, Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so this peace he's talking about is peace in the middle of the storm, peace in the middle of coronavirus, peace in the midst of, a, of a, a droplets that can be in the air and, and touch you, peace of going to Walmart shopping and not be worried it's going to be carried out, peace for the future, peace in your finances. And so, oh, she wanted that. Why she wanted that? It's because, you see, this woman is... is uh, Living with man, and and and, uh, and and she's feeling put down, harassed, and so, verse fourteen is the power of salvation springing into eternal life. Let's go fifteen, John. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not; neither come hither to draw. Now, at this point, she comes into a moment of the breaking point in this story. That's the first time that this woman recognizes that what Jesus has, she wants some of it. Up to now, he's a Jew that came in and asked for water. But now, we're in a, a different situation. She is saying, whatever that water means, I want, I want some of it. And that's a breaking point. Okay? The prophetic begins at the breaking point. Because when you simply confess your need, the prophetic happens and takes place. In Isaiah 61, 7, there's a story. And it talks about because in the, it's speaking to the future. And it says, they shall possess the double. Look at uh, uh, 61, 7, John. Isaiah 61, 7. It is a prophecy relating to the cross of Calvary. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Okay. Now, that's, uh, that's uh, Isaiah 61, right? Yeah, that's 61.7. Okay. Uh, because of the cross of Calvary. By the way, possess a double simply means that when you had bills you couldn't pay, you uh, 
put a skin out there in, in the places in the community and say, I own this much to this man, I own this much here and this much here, and I can't pay. So a man passes by and looks at what that man owes, and he takes it and he doubles up, he covers it, and he writes his name down, paid, and he goes and paid the creditors. Jesus on the cross paid for our sins. And so, at this very moment, this woman is, is possessing the double. Her sin of being a woman that lived with other men, without marriage, is an indication that now all her sins are being covered, are being paid by the cross of Calvary. That's what Isaiah 61, 7. And she is now at the point of receiving the double. Meaning Jesus comes, takes the bill, folds in the double, and, and writes down paid, paid by the cross of Calvary. And so the prophetic begins at the breaking point. When you just can't handle anymore. When you're tired and worn out and fed up with this life and all the things that you have to do in order to survive. You know, I mean, you got to work your credit. And then after you're working your credit, you, you have to pay the bills on time so you'll not be late. Electricity and water and gas and this and that and, and, and oh my goodness. I mean, a month you have to pay a bunch of bills in order to just be a life in the world today. And then, and then you have to buy groceries. And then you have to cook it. And then you have to eat it. And you keep on doing that over and over and over again. I mean, I mean, is there any joy in your life? Is there any fun? Or just, what do you do to... So, <laughs> when, when, when Jesus paid your, the price for your sins, and you acknowledge that He did, you have joy. And you live life. In other words, life with Jesus is exciting. Okay, so Jacob, Jesus, the well, the Samaritan woman, the power of salvation, it starts at this moment when she's about to repent. And so Jesus went to see his forefathers, to meet them uh, in the environment, passing by to remember. You know, he was there with Jacob. When he put his head on a rock, and 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 and, his, and the angels of God ascended and descended upon uh, uh, the Son of Man. Remember that. Meaning, uh, Jacob was blessed by angels taking care of him. Remember, uh, uh, and so just like you today, you want to be in a position where, as you sit on the well of Jacob. You receive the same blessing that he had. It's a historical comparison that you cannot miss. Jesus in, the, in Jacob's well. I mean, all of that environment is totally different than the past. And so he meets a woman who is a Samaritan who believes just in four, four book, five books of the Bible, and he begins to minister to her. And, begins, and this is what this study is all about. Uh, the first thing he said was, Go and, 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 and call your husband. Well, I have no husbands. Uh, 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 and you, you, you're right, you have no husband. The one you have now is not your husband. Meaning, meaning, repentance is repenting of the sin we committed. A profession of faith does not ignore sin. A profession of faith 
does not ignore what Jesus has done at the cross. A profession of faith brings up to the point, and, and it's very sad when we look at the church sometimes doing the opposite. In other words, we baptize them on Sunday, and, uh, but there's no confession of sin. There's no repentance. Just membership. And so, I have no husband. That's a confession. You had five, the one you have now is not your husband. Now, that is a moment of the prophetic. Jesus is saying to her, Woman, the Holy Spirit in me tells me that the one you have now is not... You had five and the one you have now is not your husband. Uh, He didn't have a conversation about that. He didn't fill a questionnaire before the prayer begun. He did not meet anybody. It doesn't say that Jesus went into the city and talked to everybody about the woman who was coming to drink water at uh, Jacob's well. No, No, sir. No information. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God revealed to Jesus that this woman had a husband. She had five, and the one she had now was not her husband. So he is simply prophetically speaking into her life, and the Holy Spirit is revealing what really is about to happen to her. I per- and she responds, I perceive that you are a prophet. See, revelation is about to happen. The power of salvation is reaching out to her at this very moment. There's an exchange there that happens when you introduce Jesus Christ and what He done at the cross of Calvary to anybody. I remember a man that I sat with him and I told him about Jesus and I told him about the cross and I told him about His death and His resurrection, His ascension, His return. And I asked him, would you confess that you have sinned before God, that you need Him in your life? And He did. His life completely changed. Why did the power of salvation came? It's because, you see, Jesus in the past died for our sins. And if we call that power of salvation to today, and someone confesses today that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are able to receive salvation. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. I understand But you can confess it. And so, Revelation is about to begin. The power of salvation is reaching out to her. In the condition of... It is the beginning of conversion. I have no husband. See, when you come to a point to where you can say, I have no husband, you are confessing. You're just saying, I can't do this by myself. I can't handle it. And that's when it begins. You can go to church, you can give your money, you can sit there for hours on end, you have friends and you do business, and you'll never be saved. But when you confess before Christ what He did on the cross of Calvary, and you ask for forgiveness of your sins humbly before God, and repent, change direction. Now let's go to verse 16, and we'll stop right there, because we'll continue tomorrow. We're about to finish this passage. Let's go to verse 16. Uh, uh, let me choose another verse here to go to. Uh, uh. Now from verse 19 all the way to verse 24. Uh, uh, until verse 26. We'll do it tomorrow morning. And so let me pray with you. I'll begin on verse 19 tomorrow morning, and I'll go all the way to verse 26. Jesus said unto her, I, 
who speak unto you am he. It, it is the first time that Jesus introduces himself as the as the savior of the world. What a what a what an event in the life of this woman. By the way, he she went home and told everybody, I come and come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. So the revelation that she had a husband, and the one she had now, she had no husband, and the one she had now at the house wasn't her husband. She had five. It, it, it convicts. The revelation convicts. When there is a revelation from God, by the Holy Spirit, it convicts. It changes people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you, God, if anyone that is hearing here throughout the world is able to hear the invitation this morning, that they may receive Jesus Christ. Say with me, I have sinned against God. And this morning I repent of my sins. And I ask you, God, to have mercy upon my life. Deliver me from evil. And bless me, God, to be a blessing to the nations. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. To serve Him all the days of my life. And I will not depart from Him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time.